0: Welcome to the New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. Today I'll be interviewing Alexia Bartholomew. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll receive alerts when new episodes are available on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, please leave me a review on iTunes or Spotify. Alexia, where were you born?
1: Um, Richie was born in Los Angeles, California.
0: So is that where you live now and currently as well?
1: No, sir. I currently live in Texas, uh, San Antonio, Texas.
0: Oh, that's an interesting move. What caused you to take that move?
1: Well, uh, when I was in California, I know I wanted to leave that state because of the lot of stuff that I was going through. And so um, after the military, there was a choice either to go back to California or get settled here in Texas. And I was like, uh, no, I do not want to move back to California because of all the stuff I have been through. So I said, let me go ahead and stay here and get settled in Texas.
0: Oh, so what uh, branch were you in? I was in the Army. Wow. Oh, well, uh, thank you for your service.
1: You're welcome. So what?
0: How would you describe your upbringing?
1: I I see here without being negative, but honest, I was just chaotic. And the reason why I say it was chaotic because there was um, a lot of instability going on, um, a lot of abuse. And not just from the outside, um, dealing with the bullying and school being picked on. But from the inside, when it's like there is not the sexual abuse, verbal abuse, and it wasn't really like a um, you know how I kind of you kind of want that you send me at home, you expect that security, you expect that um that love, and one that I really needed was like a dad. It was not there, so I'll say it's chaotic because um there were some things that I was missing that was really needed at the time.
0: So did you not grow grow up with your mom and dad or
1: um my mom mainly. Um my dad's is kind of funny because uh when I was young, the guy that I thought was my biological dad wasn't my real dad. And I didn't know about it till years, years later, till um me uh, my mom took me and the Sims out and we ate with some guy and I'm thinking nothing up. I'm thinking, okay, we got to get some food. I ain't gotta pay for it. And then found out later on that the guy that um, me and the siblings were eating with was my biological dad. And so um, I had no idea what happened. All I know was that he was, that was him. And um, years later, I found out that the reason why my mom and my biological dad were not together because he was married. And it really was kind of hurting because, um, I'm like, how in the world could that occur? But at the same time, it's like I have I have no control over it. I'm here on earth and I don't I'm no longer mad at them. I just kind of wish I knew about it sooner because the way I found out it was really not what I expected. And even though my dad admitted yes like, um, it did happen that he was an affair with my mom for my mom it was a totally different response. Um, but, um, it's like, you know what, just because that happened, them not gonna happen with me. And I choose to stay that way because I know adultery, it definitely hits both fam- both sides of the family, not just both parts involved, but even kids and even there's um, a spouse. And so, um, I've learned a lot from them. So it's okay though. It's definitely okay.
0: How old were you when your mom introduced you to your biological dad?
1: I want to say I was in the sixth grade. So I want to say about 12, about the graduate of sixth grade. I think it was about 12 years old, 10, like 11 or 12 years old. And um, it was just, its I, it, I don't remember saying much to him. I was just focused on food because I was hungry. <laughs> but um, as time went on, as I got the chance to know him, I found out he was in the Air Force and uh, he was in Louisiana. New Orleans, Louisiana, and he's definitely funny, very tall, very tall. Um, the only thing I wish I would have was more time with him because I really want to learn more about his side of the family because I really don't know much. Um, but I come to a place where I can't make him be my dad. And even though it was a part of me that didn't want to accept that, I had to come to that place and me say, Alexia, it's okay. If he don't want to be your dad, it's okay. There are others that will claim, like say, will adopt their own daughter. Just be thankful that, you know, even though I may not like how the circumstance of me coming to earth came forth, I'm just saying to at least that I did know him the time that I did have a chance to get to get, spend time with him.
0: Why did your mom introduce you to him during that time when you were like eleven or twelve years old? Did she tell you?
1: um actually she never did, and I never asked I never did and looking back now, I think she was bitter, but at the same time, I think it's more just that's like two sides to two sides to the story. so I never really touched it because um it was really kind of I hate to say kind of Traumatic when I found out why they were never together and even the situation that they were in. I just never really touched it. I never really did.
0: Did that change your view of your mom in any way?
1: No, sir, not at all. Um, for my mom, I always believe she was a strong woman because um, being a single parent, I will say this from what I see my mom go through raising five kids. A majority of the time, it's not an easy task. It's not easy. And um, for anybody that's a single parent, whether a single mom or single dad, I give kudos because I know it's a challenge, especially if the uh, other parent is not helping or in the picture. And um, she actually was a big encouragement to me because one, she was one of the reasons why I ended up going back to school and to finish getting my, um, getting my degrees. But at the same time, there's some stuff that, as time went on, took place where it's kind of like I needed this myself, and I, do not know my mom's not perfect. I'm not either because I ain't gonna lie. I was not always the best daughter, but one thing I could, see, she was a great testimony to how she made so many mistakes and overcome so many things that she was even able to get her college degree. And so it's one thing to see my mom. She was definitely a testimony on how to be a strong black woman.
0: So you mentioned that you were bullied in school. Yes, sir. How did that affect you?
1: Oh, it affected me a lot. And on top of that, with the um, the bullying, it started around, I want to say definitely in elementary school, and while that was going on, um, the sexual abuse had, take, had taken place also. Um, but the bullying, it stemmed to about high school. And there were days where I was just through. There were days I didn't want to step out the house. Um, there were times where I was ready to grab the bleach. There were times I was ready to grab the knife. Because it's one thing where you're defending yourself and you fight back. And sometimes it's not encouraged to fight back. But it's another thing where you say, you know, I ain't going to get no fight no more. And it's like the bullying is coming and coming and coming. And I think what hurts more is from, people of my color and your color. And I'm looking like, what did I do to you? Like, why are y'all bothering me, why are you harassing me? And there were times where the bullying was so much on me. There are times where I suppressed what I was feeling because there are times I say, you know, ignore it, ignore it. I'm like, how can you ignore something that's constantly coming on, coming attack you one through Friday and then you got to deal with it again? How do you deal with that? And I ain't gonna lie to you. There are times, I wanna go violent, the violent route to hurt the people that did bully me. But thankfully I made it through high school. I graduated from high school. And it took some time to process that because there are times where when it comes to like uh, women of color, that time I was like, no, nah, I don't wanna be friends with you because of what I went through when I was a kid with um with people of my own color about my hair, or about my clothes, um, the name calling of ugly geek and nerd and sometimes it was a toll and it was bad enough to get it in school but then it was also bad enough when you have a sibling who does the same thing and the sibling with my twin brother so I was getting both ends of bullying and miraculously and I I don't say it with a light term miraculously I did not physically hurt someone because there were some times i was ready to go get the knife i saw myself beating people to death like stomping them down to the point where they're not movable so i'm glad about the stage i can't forgive them because it's not an easy process so um wherever they are and i remember who they are i forgive them for what they do they have no idea what they were doing because sometimes in a way um actually i'm gonna have to take it back on something i read a book about um a research about health and i found a part about why people bully and one of the reasons i saw was because sometimes they feel like something's like going on with them they're not having themselves or there's a situation going on in their lives where they're not really in control or they feel inferior so what they'll try to do is try to like get control of someone that looks weak that look like they are not going to do anything and think okay i got the power now and looking back now, I think a lot of those that bullied me probably was worse off than I was. It's just they that different way of showing it.
0: Now, was there a common theme for the bullying, um, or was it just random things?
1: Oh, common. Um, nerd, hands down, because of glasses. Um, there was a time where there, was, there would just be this um, game where this guy would say, hey, this boy like you. Hey, give me your number. And I'd be so excited because I wasn't really with anybody. Um, I'll get the boy the um the number, and he'll get to certain guy, and he's like, "Hell no, she ugly." And I'm like, "That's the last thing I need to hear." And then to top off my hair, um, my mom did the best she could. You know, she wasn't always able to, you know, take me to the hair salon, get my hair done. You know, perm, kiss, relax. Cause hey, that, that helped a sister. And there's one particular um male student kept saying bdbs all the time in class and even though the teacher would get on him sometimes it was not enough because there are times i want to get out the chair and just knock him out to a point where i'm like don't do it again but it was like back in my mind, like, is it worth it why even do it because i got tired of constantly have to if not defend myself it was kind of like it's almost like endure and tolerate it but it's like i didn't want to like get in trouble I didn't want to get suspended again because there time I got suspended for five people that did bully me and I got suspended anyway. So it was kind of like, it was almost like a no-win situation.
0: How did that affect your self-esteem? Because I can only imagine just hearing you, you know, reflect and... Call on these stories that you know, these things that happened to you. I could, it just seems demoralizing. How did that affect your self esteem?
1: Oh, it affected me a lot. It did because where I'm at now, it took a time to even like who I am. Because, um, I think for me, I was trying to do things, get people to want like to want me and not just you know, my like boyfriend, girlfriend thing, but like friends. And just to be accepted, I was shocked if I was accepted by anybody because I got bullied so much. So it was like, if someone let me hang out with them and they, you know how they say popular, even like kind of like, whoa, like, is this like, you sure? Because I wasn't used to that type of reception from people. So it it took some time. And um, even after high school, college even the military the bullying wasn't like really there no more but it really took a time to like me and i'm still learning to like me even in some relationships where there was a pressure of you know weight a pressure of just to have someone so i won't be alone because i felt like if i didn't have if i let go the person who's going to want me and so learning to be myself was really hard And so as time went on and even I got the military, I start to learn stuff about me that I never knew about. And I'm glad I am at a stage where I actually like, you know, like who I am, like my shape. I like my size. I like, you know, music, different music. And it was a journey because I had to really unlearn what people said about me. I learned the labels, all that stuff. And I'm glad I a stage now where I could smile. I could walk around SeaWorld and be the goofiest person ever because years ago, I didn't want to step out of the house for anything. I didn't want to do nothing. I would stay in the house because I did not want to deal with anybody. But um, now I can go outside and just have fun. I go to SeaWorld and take pictures with Elmo and a whole crew of Sesame Street and it won't bother me because I'm showing people this is who I really am. What was the catalyst
0: to cause, what was the catalyst to, I guess, take you from being in that state of wanting to be alone because you felt so demoralized and to begin to healing from the inside and to begin to like
1: yourself? Whoa, that that's a good question. Um, it one for me, I get tired, sick and tired of being around people, especially men particularly, particular, not all men, but um, one man in particular. Um, he was like a, and I'll say this, he was kind of like more, more, more of a process to let go because he had got me out of a situation where, with my mom. And let me stay in his place. But as time went on, and, you know, I made mistakes. There are times he would claim me as his girl, but he didn't want nobody else. And then there are times where he did hit me, physically hit me to where it's almost like if I did anything wrong or if I told I did something, with the, the fear of being hit again really kind of rattled me. And even to the point where if I didn't do something I was not comfortable with, um, something that got, I was like, got like, broken for it, got like kind of like Scott. I don't think it's like, I don't know what the term is, I don't know what but it's almost like being stabbed down, but being down for standing for something and that I really believe in that was my truth. And, um, to the point where he even dumped me and even to a point of torment. And I really was really broken because I'm like, I love this guy, like, what I'm going to do. And for a while, it was a struggle because I was trying to cover up the pain with other men. But as time went on, I started to learn me. And um, on and off for of years, it was a cycle of just learning who I am, enjoying who I am, not worry about you know weight, how I look. But there are times I have fallen where I'll get back. I'm thinking, I did a hope and a fancy, and like, okay. He's going to love who I am. He's not going to, you know, make me feel less than. But one thing I noticed was the more times we kept reconnecting, it wouldn't last that long. And even when I try to be friends, even like long distance, it didn't last that long. Because even when I said something that was true, it's always like he broke me down. And even to a point where he assumed I was with somebody, when I we really wasn't with nobody. So it's almost like he was trying to make me look uh, look bad. And 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 this how low it went. Um he had called and let the voicemail I didn't even pick up and he let the voicemail with a conversation label me as uh as an S word. And with TN, I talk about poop but the other term of the word slut and I'm looking like I'm looking like are you like why? Just because you're not getting what you want you gonna try to break me? that says a lot about you. And I'm looking back now, I'm like, I'm glad I moved on from him because there are times I didn't think I could make it without him. But the more I dissed myself and separated myself, and even to a point where I got, I was no longer comfortable with him trying to make me feel less than, the more I was like, okay, Lexi, you can make it without him. And there are times I actually was trying to prove to him and prove myself I can make without him. And um, there are times where it's like I wanted to say something to him, and there are times I did. But then, like, you know what? It's not worth it. Because just separating myself from him and even mentally from him, emotionally, psychologically, and physically from him, sexually from him, I realized there was a whole new me that needed to come forth. And meant letting go of someone who I thought I could never make it out with when actually I could make without that person.
0: So you were trying to fix an inner problem by mm-hmm. searching the outside, meaning other people, acceptance.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, so- ma'am. Me, sir. Sir. So, yes, sir.
0: Yeah. So. Did you have a support system when you were going through this, you know, tumultuous journey?
1: Yes and no, because a lot of people didn't know. And also with my mom, I didn't even tell her because you no know, respect towards her. I didn't want to hear her mouth. I really want to hear it. So uh, what helped me a lot was um, actually being at work. And then music, I love music. Music has always been my, it's been my, my, like my therapy because music always comfort me. It always soothed me. If I just need to, I just get away, numb up, just listen to music. Um, there are times I did Eden and I picked out a lot, but I really like that it wouldn't satisfy me either.
0: So you were a, eating your emotions away yes sir so you mentioned uh sexual abuse now did this sexual abuse happen from someone you know or a family member
1: yes sir yes sir and it was a couple of family members and something outside the family um if i to sum all up it was about two or three uncles um and a cousin, one outside of family. Like, we, was, we, was, um, we were staying with somebody, we were staying in somebody's house, and the guy that lived there, um, he did his thing with me. Um, and even an incident at school in the first, second grade, there was a kid. And it, it's, I'm I don't know how I'm be honest with you, It's was not. It was not pretty because one, it was like, I was like super young. I'm like, why this happened to me? Why I'm like the target and to consistently be violated. And even to a point, I was like, you know what? Just hurry up, get it over with. Because I felt like I kept saying, you know, you're not going to spend my note anyway. But, um, one day, actually t- on two separate occasions, um, one of the uncles that were molesting me. He was staying with with me and the family, and um, he would get me at nighttime when everybody was asleep. And one night he was he took he picked me up in the room. We were in the living room, and somehow, by the grace of God, the phone rings. My mom comes out, catches him in the act, and he's gone. But he kept coming back. And the second incident was, uh, we, was we was visiting um, an, an uncle, and this is on my stepdad side of the family, and he was there. And um, it was about to happen again, and my twin brother busted him, and he told. So um, so he, his days of doing that to me was over, and later on, I found out that he had did it to another child, and he got arrested, and he did serve time. Uh, with me, he never got arrested nor charged for what he did, nor the other uncles did, nor the other people did. But I was glad that it stopped because it kept going on too much. And then also at the same time, it kind of bothered me why he was even in the same atmosphere where I was, knowing well there was a history. So my question was it was like, why would y'all allow it? It was like, is my safety important? Or was I, you know, just throw on the rug, you know, like, it was like, I wasn't important. Like, my safety was not important. And, um, there were other incidents where he did visit the family again. And one time, I did confront him. And I think, okay, everything's cool. But then, I got uncomfortable again while I saw by my younger sister. And I'm like, why is he by her? And, you know, I didn't say nothing to my parents at the time with, with stepdad because they got back right together. It's like, why is he around any of the kids? Y'all know what he did, why he's around them? And it was such a fury in me, but it's like, I couldn't say nothing. Cause one, I didn't want to hear the mouth. And two, it was a fear of retaliation and the abuse and being yelled at and I also didn't want to get hit. So it was like, almost like, kind of like suck it up, you know, was time to move, trying to move. But um, I will tell you that there was an incident where I was visiting another family member and he was there. And the uncle can tell, this is a whole nother uncle. I'll never remember before, but he was cool uncle. He can tell he's not comfortable around him. And I told him what happened and we found out what happened he apologized, but I have a funny feeling he 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 got he got in a dude's grill. Um, but currently, he's passed away. He he died years ago. But um, I'm grateful enough to second release him out of my spirit because I didn't think he affected me. But I also think with the sexual abuse, um, black men, dark skinned men, it kind of gave me a kind of a dis, like a, dis, uh, a distaste for men of color to the point I was like, hey, what's your attention, what you're looking at, what you want? Um, But after therapy and all that stuff, I don't look at them that way. And I realize now and I understand now, not all dark-skinned men, not all black men are rapists and not all predators and all, you know, just out for sex. Well, they are real men, black men, men of color, white, Hispanic, Asian that do care and do respect and do appreciate not just women but even young ladies, and then they will never take take a person through something like that because they will because it would just it will just wouldn't be right It's like a respect. So um, and I'll say that as a process, but I'm glad I got there.
0: It sounds horrible the things that you you just outlined mm-hmm. um, who who would have yeah. hit you um, you said, during moments ago, that you were afraid that you would have gotten hit.
1: Um, my mom and the um stepdad. I was afraid it was going. They was going. To, let's say attack, not verbally, physically, or be yelled at because because I could tend, I'm. You know, it's just a fear, and I think for me it was just um from the you know the disciplines. And some say beatings, not like um, not like drastic to the point of the hospital, but just, you know, how it's like, you kind of like don't talk back to your parents. You don't talk back to, you know, those in authority. And it was almost like, what if I took that risk? And I think a part of me just, just didn't want to because I was afraid that was going to happen. And even though it may have been worth it for me and be like, hey, where could I go? And so I just never touched it. I never did until I wrote the book and went with the therapy.
0: Who do you believe that your uh, parents knew all along without you even telling them?
1: I will say this. Um, well, mom caught my mom and my um, twin brother caught him and caught one almost in the act. They probably think okay, they'll just do two times, but years later, after I watched the movie *The um, Claiborne, by Stephen King, and I remembered the story about how um, the lady who, like, guess the main focus of the story was um, being sexually abused by her dad. It, it just, it just kind of clicked in me. Like, wait a minute, I went through that, and so I started telling my mom hey, this happened to me. And even though she had caught one and was doing it, she didn't know it went on for years. She didn't know that part. And so that process was just, I think just that alone was like, okay, that's a, you know, open door to healing. But then as time went on, I found out she had been assaulted too. And, um, and I'm like, like how in the world we get like like why? Like what's going on here? And um, even after I wrote the book where I talk about the sexual abuse I've been through, I found out it was that there's been two other family members that were sexually assaulted. And um I was like, that's not gonna happen no more. We're not made to be raped, we're not made to be violated, we're not made for it. How
0: old were you when you began going to therapy and why? I mean, I don't say why because I know why, but mm-hmm. what finally led you to, you know, go to therapy?
1: When I was in the military and I was in Alaska and I was just about twenty two twenty-three ish, I started going to therapy and it felt good talking about it. But after I got out, I was still talking about it. And even though I did the writing, all that stuff, I'm thinking, okay, I'm good. I can move on. Somewhere it was like I wasn't like, let's was say, like finished with the process. And so after I got out of the military, I went to therapy again. And sometimes I stopped. And it was like, it was like, like what's the use at one point? But one of the biggest breakthroughs that helped me with the therapy was a um, a strategy called cognitive behavior therapy. And um, it was the best tool ever because it helped me process what happened, how I felt before, how I felt after. And it really gave me a breakthrough that I really needed because I kept telling people about different therapists, all that stuff, but I wasn't getting that change that I really needed. And so when I went through that therapy, it really like broken, it broke a lot of stuff off of me to where my whole perception was different to where I could really let go and forgive. And I encourage therapy. I especially cognitive behavior because it helps it for me personally, it helped me process a lot of stuff. And actually has been a big tool for me to where if I'm dealing with something and what's going on, I'm like, okay, how I'm feeling. Okay. What's going on? You know, processing the emotions of an event it's definitely been a big help to me big help
0: how long were you in therapy when you received the cognitive behavioral therapy that led to your breakthrough
1: um since it was two parts i think the first part was kind of like i think it was eight weeks like eight like it was like eight sessions and the other one like eight sessions but um the part two one was more intensive but the, that one was more worth it. It was like eight se- eight sessions. So um, it made a lot in those eight sessions because I wasn't the only one in that session. And I think what helped a lot was that I wasn't the only one that was, that had been in that type of predicament. So I'm glad I went through that process of therapy.
0: So, so you were in a group therapy for the group second therapy.
1: phase? Yeah, mm-hmm. group therapy, yes, sir. And
0: when you were a kid... All of these horrible things happening to you, you're not in a ideal living situation, constantly being uprooted,
1: mm-hmm.
0: fear, violated. Mm-hmm. Was there a dream in you? Because I know that a lot of kids um, growing up, I remember uh, people would ask the adults, what are you going to do when you grow up? And you would tell them, was there anything that was there?
1: It had to be, and even though I probably did not verbally say it and I probably was not asked a lot, I knew I wanted to get out of that state. I wanted to leave home. I wanted to get away from not just the home, but the state as far as I can because it was too much, and I knew I want to do something different. I want to be a place where I was safe. And so um, that same individual that I was with um, on off years, when he said, hey, join the Army, I was like, cool, because I actually want to go to the Army after high school. But my mom's like, no, go to school, get education, which was definitely big in the, in, the, um, in the family. But when I ended up moving out and I and I and I'm not sure to say it, it was kind of carried because I was afraid of myself moving out to live with, with homeboy. I thought I'm not able to leave because there was an incident where um, my mom, um let's say she was not happy with me. And let's just say the feeling of my head being banged on a door and being cussed out, I didn't want to go through that again. So the, the move out and then the, the thing to do the army, it was like the best, best outlet. And so I didn't tell my mom's going to army. I didn't even tell her because I was afraid she was going to say something. And so, uh, for a couple of months, um, she didn't know I was in the military. She did not know. And, um, I found out later on, she had sent me a letter and for some miraculous reason it didn't get sent to me. And I got other letters, but there was one particular letter for some reason got sent to the guy I was staying with back in California. And I found out that, you know, let's say she it was not a it was not a nice letter. And looking back now, because I wrote a letter venting about how I felt about her. And so um, after you know, after basic AIT, all that stuff, you know, I went to visit her, and you know, it was it was like you know, it was kind of cool, but at the same time, it's kind of like something's unsettled. So I was like, you know what? Hey, I'm doing like I'm, you know, doing my, you know, I'm in the army. I'm about to travel, you know, it's all good. Um, I wish I, I you know, how sometimes you think you wish you could done another way. Um, but for me, I think with no other way because of the situation that I was in, it was like I had to get out one way or another. Cause I felt like if I didn't, I've been stuck, I'll be suffocated, and I probably would not made it out of that state.
0: So your main dream when you were growing up was simply to get out of LA.
1: Get out of LA. hmm And um I didn't mention this, um also be radio do on um, radio broadcasting. Well so that's two things, but um Get out of L.A. was one of my biggest things. Get out, get out of there; that was one of my biggest goals, and that happened. And
0: and also a radio broadcaster you said?
1: Yeah, yeah, I want to do radio because I um, I like music. I love music, and there are times where I hear certain songs. I'm like, uh, that mean I don't need to. I need to. I need to playlists because some music. I'm like, uh, uh-uh, I wouldn't put down. I don't even put down the air but I also love doing interviews with people. And so that desire was there when I was a teenager, but at the time it it was not just, you know, for music, it was like for popularity reasons to be accepted. But as I got older, I don't mind doing radio because I love music. I love, you know, interacting with the people.
0: So you mentioned moments ago that, um, it appeared that you mentioned that your mom banged your head against the door or the wall before
1: uh, a door yes and I was 18 when it happened. Uh, what had happened was uh, I had lied about where I was and um and the guys was the same guy I was with he was like, hey, are you okay you know your mom okay with you staying you know staying at night and everything I'm like, no, I'm good and then know like, I call home I was like, okay, I'm going to call home and so I did and she was not happy. And I was scared, I ain't gonna lie I was, cause I knew something was gonna go down. And so I got home and I got settled in. She asked questions. Seconds later, I started getting my blood tore up. And um, the head bang on the door is one of them. Um, got hit with a barstool stick. Um, it was even to a point she was, was about to hit with a vacuum cleaner. And I'm looking like, without that, without that, did I really p.o'd her that much? And it was to a point she was like, you know, get your stuff, get your, you know, you know, get your stuff, and you know, get out. And so I'm like, okay, go ahead, call homeboy up. And so I'm calling him up, and I see her with a um, old school crate, like a blue hard plastic crates, and I'm looking like, not again. Like, you just tore me up. She was ago. Like, why now? Why again? And then she's like, you know what? Stay home. You, you stay now. I'm like, like, seriously? And I went to church the next day. That, actually, late on that morning. And I was so sore. And nobody asked how I was doing. Nobody asked. But I'll tell you this, though. I still snuck down with the cedar dude. But I knew in the back of my mind, like, I need to get out of here. I need to get out. I, I got I gotta leave. I gotta get I got to get out of this home. I gotta leave. Because if she was like that just with that one incident, what's gonna happen? And there was another incident where I did it again. And I had um it was a I had to stay with stay with the guy and I was also going to a job orientation for um for a new um, place that I came employed. And I walked home and she did not assault me, but like not physically, but verbally when the words of, if you're going to do it, at least get paid for it. I'm like, are you serious? Mitzi I'm saying this, but Emily, I was like, it's like, it's like it's always like my, it's like, it's just sunk. It's always like, mom, you broke me enough. Why would you say that to me? And I was like, I understand I did things and I stand, you know, nobody's perfect. But for you to say that to me, your own daughter, it was like, you know what? I need to get out of here. I need to get out of this house. I got I to gotta go. I can't be around this. I made mistakes, but you can't just keep, like, make for the left and break me and, make, and just belittle me like it's nothing. What's going on with you? And so... When I say the goals got LA, I got out. It may not be the way I wanted, but I get out of there.
0: You've, you've suffered some horrible physical, sexual, and emotional mm-hmm. abuse throughout your life, mm-hmm. especially as a kid. Yeah, it's just amazing to me that you just didn't give up because yeah. it appeared that you would have had every opportunity to give up and not try to do something and just Mm -hmm. stay in that state which um, there are some people that are not strong enough or have the support system to even get out and they turn to other Mm -hmm. things and stay in that state. You at first were looking outside for acceptance and love and you were able to transition out of that uh, through help Mm -hmm. uh, which is important because we can't we can't do everything ourselves. Sometimes we, yes, we need sir. a little help. Um, and you're a poet, you write poems. Yes, sir. Also an author. Yes, sir. And what you alluded to your book. Um, what's the title of your book?
1: Well, my, um my second um, current book is called, you're not the only one who has been hurt, violated and abused that's overcome. And it's just a, book to encourage people to not the only one who've been through some things. And I share the stories of things that I've been through. And it does include sexual abuse, um, the relationship with my parents, um, the relationship with the wrong boys and men, and with the bullying.
0: And you your poem, are you able to recite any one of your poems? I think
1: uh, I am eagle. Yes, sir. And I actually got that right in front of me too. So Good. Yes, sir. I am eager. Watch me soar. Watch me soar above the experience of seeing my mother being punched by her husband for no reason. Watch me soar above the experiences of being raped, molested, and sexually abused by a man who thought having sex with a child was the thing to do. Watch me soar above the situations where constant harassment from kids took a toll on me to the point where I wanted to kill myself. Watch me soar above the bullying from boys and girls, the name-calling of ugly, geek, and nerd. Watch me soar above the rejection that was constant from not being a normal child. Watch me soar above those that thought of me as trash when I was actually a precious treasure that they did not know how to handle nor value. Soar above the old mindset that made me feel less of a conqueror when I am more than a conqueror. Watch me so above those who thought me that I'll never amount to anything, who thought I couldn't make it without them, who thought I was weak when I was actually the strongest link. Watch me so above the lies of you're a loser, you're a nobody, nobody wants you, kill yourself. It's your fault that he raped you. It's your fault that he hit you. The only way somebody's going to want you is if you're going to pornography. Go on the streets, kill yourself. I am ego. Watch me soar.
0: Uh, beautiful poem. Thank you, sir. Beautiful. Now, which poem is at the Library of Congress?
1: That's one of them, actually. That's one. That's one of them.
0: And how is there another one?
1: Oh, there's there. a couple of them. There's a couple of them. Which, um, which ones? Um, I did one called "I Am," um, and I did another poem. And I wish I had the book on me the top poem is called I Can Never Say That God Don't Love Me and that poem was really stemming from a lot of mistakes that I made and just the curiosity of like God still love me and when I did that poem even just writing it it really showed um what well, really was feeling because sometimes and you probably and I probably almost felt like this wondering if um if I'm going to be stopped being loved, if I do this, it won't stop being loved. If I do that, it won't stop being loved, if yeah, I make this mistake. And just a realization of the father's love, um, you know, how many fathers love, um, how much he loves me, it really pulled me through. And I really say, I can never say God don't love me because I've done some stuff that I'll be honest with you, I could go to jail for. I could have got in trouble like crazy for. And I can never say he don't love me because he got me out of some stuff that I probably had no idea about that if I really got into it, he it, it would have took me out. So that's one of my other poems that's like really close to my heart. Um I had another poem called My Favorite Gift, which is about the Holy Ghost. Um another poem called I Am. Oh, and um recently I did a poem called Character. And this is like one of my favorite ones because um, it was inspired by Martin um, Luther King Martin. i want tongue tied, Doctor Martin Luther King Jr. And one of the things he has said is, um, "I Have a Dream" speech was, "Not just by color of the skin, but by the context of their character." And as I got older, character was like really one of my main focus. when I looked at people and see how they conduct themselves. And I actually have the poem on hand if you want me to read it to the audience. If not, I totally understand.
0: Yes, read it to us.
1: Yes, sir. Do not judge by the color of their skin nor by their ethnic background, but by the content of their character. Do not judge by how much money they make nor by how much material things that they possess, but by the content of their character. Do not judge by their uniform, their occupation, nor by their position in the workplace, but by the content of the character. Do not judge by who are they married to, nor by how many kids that they do have, nor by how many trophies they won, but by the content of the character. Do not not judge by the car they drive, the house or apartment that they live in, nor by the neighborhood that they currently reside in. About the content of that character.
0: Another great one. Thank you. How how did your poems get placed in the Library of Congress?
1: I uh, went through the uh, website. It's like a copyright website where you can um get like, your material copyrighted. And at first, I was like, nah. But I was like, you know, let me go ahead and just do that. You know, just you know, seal it, but kind of seal it because um, when I did I Am Eagle Watch Me Soar, I did it for another for a class. And I found out after I finished the poem in the, in the class, I found out one of the students in the classroom, my student classmates in the classroom, had been through something when I was reading the poem. So I knew the poem, even though I personally did it for myself and it was for a project that I didn't read at that time, I knew it, it it carried something. It meant something. So that's why I decided to go ahead and, um, get the poem in my Congress.
0: Great. So do you have a a support system now?
1: Oh yes. Plenty of it. Plenty of support systems. Um, family wise, my, um my aunt and my grandmother. Um, and I saved them first because, um, all stuff that was going on when I was in LA, I was always happy to spend time with them. Cause I knew I went there. I knew I was going to be safe. I knew I was going to get spoiled. I knew I was going to be loved. I knew I was protected. I knew hands down, um, church family wise. Um, it took some time because of what I went through, but, um, the support I have now, it's been beautiful. Um, I'm grateful because um, there's been some moments where I fell out I by myself and there's times I thought I could tell nobody. Um, there's moments where I just didn't trust women. And so it's been a process just letting people in, but I'm grateful because um, I can say I got, I'm loved. I am truly loved. I'm thankful for even a sisterhood because there are times where I don't really call people like sister, sister, and I'm just thankful just the love and support any of my older sister. I thank God for her. Um, I'm. I'll just say that I just I just feel you know how you can tell you genuinely love by somebody even when you're not perfect, and that's why I can sense that even when I'm like at my lowest, I can tell where I know I'm being covered that I'm being lifted up, that I'm being prayed for. Because um, there's a time I thought I could tell nobody I was going through because there's a time I learned how to get through things by myself. But when there's time where it's like, okay, I need help now, the help is, is right there. And so I'm grateful for that support and even um, for therapy. Um, I just started going back last year, actually. And so I'm thankful for the therapist, the right therapist that's helped me also through the journey in life.
0: It's great to hear you've um, you've overcome a lot. And I'm glad that you're you have the support system and you're, you know, processing your way through um, those years of heartache and violation. Yes, sir. What how can people uh, purchase your book or your books?
1: Well, um, you know, they always say go Amazon or Let's say you, you come you go you also directly get it from me. Um, for those those that don't feel like shopping online, um, if they're in Texas, uh, by Fort Hood, Colleen area, there's a place called Words and Bookstore. Um, both books are on sale, and you can also order books online. Um, Barnes and Noble. Um, just like a major um major bookstore retailers, and even independent um uh, bookstore retailers. Just um type in my name and you'll see both books pop up for purchase. Or if you want direct if they want to order directly from me, um, I don't have problem doing that. Only if it might be if, if it's somebody international, I probably would not be able to um send it out to them.
0: Do you have a social media contact?
1: Yes, sir. Um Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And recently TikTok, and I know don't, don't touch TikTok, um, under the name author Lexi Lex, that's A-U-T-H-O-R-L-E X-I-L-E-X.
0: What is your one to grow on? What valuable piece of information would you like to leave our audience with?
1: Keep soaring like an eagle. And the reason I say that is because I believe there's a lot of um, egos that's out there, and they probably don't think they are an ego because they keep going through so much. So I say, keep strong like an ego, not just in the mind, not just in the heart, but throughout life. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to the new mind creator podcast with your host Maurice, the new mind creator. This podcast has been sponsored by Abundant Sports and True Serum. Head over to www.mauriceflourinary.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.